Kaiser Kanyaho, who is spokesperson for the SABC. Um, as I think most of us will know, uh, we did have, uh, we were expecting uh, the COO, Claudio Motswinning, um, but he wasn't able to, to, to come um, this morning, but I'm very glad that uh, Kaiser has, has joined us. And Don Laka, who uh, it needs not, doesn't need a great deal of introduction, I think, um, and who has been really prominent, I think, in the campaign uh, to increase uh, the quotient of, of local music on local radio. So um, we'll conduct this in the kind of usual way. I'll give everybody a chance to speak for maybe five minutes. Um, uh, I think we'll start over here with... Uh, let's start with, uh, with Don, actually, because I think in many ways you set this ball rolling, um, and then we'll, get it, we'll move on to uh, the official position, and then it will be interesting to see what it, how it plays out for a commercial radio station like Kaya. So, Don, do you want to tell us about local content and why it matters, and why you're very pleased with the SABC at this point? <laughs> Th thanks for having me, and good... Uh Good afternoon. Um, I, <laughs> you know, I, we, a lot of people might think, uh, you know, um, uh, radio today is no more as important or as um, a big role player as it used to be in the, when we were growing up in the late 60s, 70s, and um, the 80s, uh, before. Uh, the internet and the, the new social medias, which, uh, which now people think they have taken uh, the space. But my belief is that uh, radio will remain. And uh, it will still be the most important source of, of, of the most important uh, form of information where many people can get there, you know, easily with, without going to reading and writing. You can actually get into a car, turn on the radio, and there's information coming through. And we know that it has been used as, uh, you know, uh, by many uh, governments today. That's why I, I always say that uh, when uh, there's a coup in a country, where do you go first? Radio and TV. So that's, those are, for me, the most important uh, 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 especially radio for me because that, you, know, you cannot take TV wherever you go but radio will always accompany you wherever you are in your car, uh, in your space, on your headphones uh, now with the modern uh, social media what is it? Uh, cell phones and stuff so you can actually access that wherever you are and the uh, reason why, when I said I, I, I was lucky to have lived in, in, in an area in a period where there was no um, television in South Africa at that time, and there was no uh, cell phones, and uh, radio, the only information that we received was from dad. And as a musician grew up in the, you know, in the 70s, uh, I remember uh, my second single, which was banned uh, by the apartheid government then, uh, because they knew the power of radio. That's the reason why South African music was censored at that time. And, and uh, most of the South African musicians ended up with lyrics that were either coded, some say they were meaningless, and uh, it became a trend for many, many years that we wrote 
so-called meaningless songs, but some of them we know they were coded. One of the most coded songs we know is by Chico uh, Manelo, which he couldn't clearly say it was Mandela. So that actually the, the apartheid regime at then knew the importance uh, of radio uh, and uh, that's why most of the musicians that came out at right that time were censored on radio. So the power of radio uh, uh, cannot be uh, you know, underestimated in, in, in even if in to today's uh, uh, what is it, uh, uh, space of, of, of social medias and stuff. You will still go out there to radio. That's why the advertisers spend their money on radio. My struggle and the struggles of the artists of South Africa didn't begin now. Uh, it began in 1994 uh, when we made the submissions to the then Broadcasting Corporation, uh, myself, Mzwake Mbuli, and, and uh, Huma Sikela. And I was to speak on, on um, the quality of South African music. So the struggles have been going on. And as I, as I would say, the reason why we fought that and we had to get the public broadcaster to partner with us in this is because we know the influence of radio and the public broadcaster in the space reaches nearly 35 million people in this in this country and um, i you know was one of the few people who i'd say uh, i'm very lucky in that i managed to uh, negotiate with people who were willing to listen uh, to the plight of the artists that has been going on in this country for nearly 20, 22 years um, uh, since our democracy. And um, SABC has played its part, though I haven't spoken to him next to me here. Uh, I'll still be visiting him, um, you know, because their influence also, it is important that uh, we need to, I sent him a message the other day that uh, we need to come back home because radio is the most important uh, uh, part to uh, impart uh, 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 the knowledge and to actually uh, to speak about the problems that we're having facing of racism in this country as we, uh, we've been witnessing this past few days. And the radio plays a huge important role in that space. So it is important for us to uh, 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 acknowledge the power of radio that is not going to be diminishing anytime soon. Okay, I've got a mic. Thank you very much. Uh, from the SABC's point of view, is it, I mean, am I audible? Okay. From the SABC's point of view, uh, this has been uh, one of the most radical decisions that we have ever taken. And it is based on the fact that we are engaging. We have been engaging for many years with different people and there was not, uh, the time had not arrived that we could then agree. And, and Don will tell you, uh, he didn't have to do much. We, we sat in a meeting and before he could even raise a lot of issues, we had already said to him, fine, we will do this. And the, the principle behind that was we have to understand that we, for us to be free, we have got to start loving our own. And when we start loving our own, we'll then have to understand where we come from and then let our children understand and appreciate our own. Gone are the days where 
made in America becomes whatever it's supposed to be. We as the SABC, we felt that for us to be able to promote our own culture and our own heritage, we can start with the 90% local content. And in principle, we wanted to make it 100% at the time when we were doing it. But the principle, was, what came up out was the fact that there were other contractual issues or that we had already entered into and we believed that we can do with 90%. And then the remainder of the so-called international music will be played with the 10% that is remaining. And for, for people who travel, you would know that when you go all over the world, even in our fellow African countries, the people there appreciate their own cultures and they appreciate their own languages. And because of that, they play their own music. And I always make this statement uh, because it, it becomes very difficult for a person like me when I'm home and my son says to me, but why are you not playing the kind of music that we like? And I say, but you like it because that's the kind of music that you have always been exposed to. Uh, in, in, after a while, if you're exposed to local music, you would not think that this one that you call good music today is the only one that you can listen to. But from our point of view, we, we felt that we needed to, to do that, but also we felt that we needed to move away from this thing of having our musicians all the time. They entertain us 40, 50 years, and when they die, we end up with a situation where they have nothing because we don't buy their music, we don't listen to their music, we don't play their music on, on, on radio. Because when we play music on radio, we end up giving them airplay royalties and they are able to make, uh, their, uh, live their lives and, 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 and behave. But if they mess up with the money after we give them, it's not our problem. We would have done what we were supposed to do. And somebody asked a question, where are you going to get the money to pay all these musicians now that you are having 90%? And our answer has always been, the cake is not increasing. We are just cutting it differently. The money that we have been paying, most of that money was going overseas. And now, 90% of that money will remain in the country and 10% will go there. It doesn't increase our budget in any way as the SABC. Thank you. Uh, Prof, I'm a little concerned about the seating arrangement. You know, I'm just worried that I'm all alone on this side. <laughs> <laughs> so, someone needs to come sit with me here. Cause <laughs> um, I, I, look, I mean, first and foremost, um, the decision to increase local music uh, content uh, is, is the right one. I think there's no, there's no argument in that. Uh, in fact, um, on the day that it was announced, uh, there were several uh, news agencies that were interested in what, what our opinion is from a private uh, commercial radio station perspective. And uh, I think we were very clear to say, um, you know, we, we support the idea of having uh, a bit more of our own music. So just as an open, I think it's important to establish that. Uh, but I also think the the key thing is um at least in 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 because i'm a programmer so you know we we think you know uh, in 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 a very technical way um 
And one of the things that I thought about was, you know, my days at YFM, um, where, I mean, I think uh, around that time, the quota was sitting at 18%, uh, if not less than that, or just, you know, somewhere around uh, there. But there were very specific steps um, that we took to make sure that the music becomes superior, um, not only in sound, but also in presence. Um, and when you think about hip hop in South Africa today, when you think about house music in South Africa today, you know, even Kwaito, um, those three genres in particular, um, I think it would be fair to say they you know, owe a large portion of their existence today you know, from that generation, from that school of people you know, who, who we worked with at that particular time. Um, and I think what I've been always saying you know, is, is it is very important to understand what the other role players will do uh, in that particular sense. Uh, because to support the idea of 90%, um, you know, it does not only rely on the SABC, it also relies on the production houses, it relies on, uh, you know, the type of product that's going to be pushed out, it relies on the fact that you don't want to end up in a situation where simply because you've opened up space, um, you now start to gamble with quality. Um, the other um, hurdle that we also discuss from a programming point of view um, is the risk of similarity. So, you know, we have, at least in our space, you know, from a Gauteng perspective, there's at least 28 radio stations um, that speak roughly to, you know, a certain demographic. Um, and, you know, it is always important to differentiate yourself from the next person. That's what makes you what you are, you know, that's what makes you unique. Um, and from a programming point of view, you always want to have less number of songs you share with the next person. So if you listen to, uh, I don't know, Ukozi and Kaya, for instance, I mean, it's, it's a bad example, but go with me. If we share more than six songs in an hour, what reason do I have to listen to one or the other? Uh, would be the question. Um, so getting over those types of hurdles, again, it's, um, I think, a, 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 something that we've got to put down and say, whilst we grow our music and whilst we look at increasing um, you know, our own voice in our own country, um, what are the other supporting systems around that particular thinking? Uh, and how is everyone playing their part? Because you know, the SABC has taken a bold step, but you don't want to be let down uh, because, you know, other people aren't playing their part. Um, you know, the support of music from a corporate perspective is also something that's very important. You know, so are we using local productions in commercials, uh, you know, in scoring movies and so forth and so forth. So all of that system 
needs to be looked at uh, and, 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 and it needs to be in place to be able to support a bold decision um, that, that you've taken. From a commercial perspective, and I think it's important to say that I, I, I don't speak on behalf of all commercial radio stations. I think maybe start off with that disclaimer. I know other people would have their own views. Um, you know, the question was, why haven't you guys followed suit? Um, and our approach is different, and I'll go back to the YFM example. Um, when you look at, and I mentioned three genres, but I'll actually add the fourth. Um, so, quieto, house music, um, hip-hop. In fact, hip-hop was non-existent. There was no such thing as local hip-hop. Um, we had a show on a Wednesday evening um, with uh, Oskido and uh, Paul, who was then uh, Rude Boy Paul. Um, this was a one-hour show, which was broadcast on a regional radio station um, on a Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. Um, and out of that show, an entire hip-hop industry was born. So the impact of it um, was measured because every other system around it um, was you know, taken into consideration. So, you know, we engaged with uh, people like Tabang Ramukhase, who was a, a brand manager, senior brand manager of Sprite at the time, to, you know, support the idea of hip-hop. We then linked it into basketball. We then linked it into uh, comedy, which is the fourth element. So today, when you think about comedy in South Africa, I mean, in those days, um, you know, there was... It was non-existent, uh, and I'm talking, um, you know, black township comedy. You know, uh, guys like Bukabzela were almost like pioneers. This is where Skumba learned his craft. This is where, um, you know, a Eugene Koza would have learned his craft. So, I think for us, it, it's not just about how much space you give, but it's about how much impact you create with the little time uh, that you have. Because sometimes when you have time in abundance, you turn to you know, ignore all the other factors that you need to actually make this thing work. Um, but the last point is, when you look at the growth of South African uh, house music, again, it came from the same era where um, in the beginning we were consumers. In fact, we were uh, I think 0.4% consumers of global house music um, in, in, the, in the 1990s, so 1997, 98. Um, by the year 2000, we were already 10% uh, consuming of international house music. So we, we were becoming big as a market that was buying international music. But in the background, we had set up you know, other um, systems to now start growing our own music. So we set up a Southern African Music Conference, um, which is on right now, actually. I, uh, from here, I need to get there. Which focused on developing you know, house music from a South African perspective. Uh, and again, all of that with very little amount of time that you had on air, but huge impact. Today, one of you know, the most celebrated um, artists in the world now, according to BET, uh, in California just the other day, is Black Coffee, whose first gig was programming a one-hour radio station, uh, one-hour show on, on, on YFM. 
So I think technically it's very important to think about how we also use the international gateway. Um, we were able to grow South African house music because we had people in Miami, in New York, in Ibiza who were prepared to take our music in as much as we embraced their music. Um, so the whole idea of being in a in a global village became real. I think one of the things that was difficult about apartheid was, you know, personally, I always felt like we were raised to live in a five kilometer radius. You know, nothing beyond this five kilometer radius is for you. Um, and, and, and I thought that was wrong. And it was through music that I realized that there's another world out there. There's other things happening. Um, so. We like keeping the channel open because we were able to, you know, uh, use a reciprocal system to be able to get some of us, uh, some of our material out. Great, thanks very much. So there you have it. I'm sure there are questions and points. Or not. Um, this is really surprising. Yes, go ahead. Just shout. Well, there's a mic coming. Okay, um, I'm just going to take off my radio hat for a moment and just pose a question slash statement. Um, but I really, I, I really feel like post apartheid we need to be mindful and unpack what it is we mean when we talk about culture, national identity, and local. Because I think your understanding of culture and loving our own very much differs to the youth's understanding of culture 22 years into democracy. Um, and also, I mean, if you just take into account how much Western influence we have, um, while how much inf Western influence um, the born freeze have had. Like, can you really, really claim that what we're producing is entirely local? But again, it goes back to how you understand, what you understand local to be. And um, another thing is, I think a frustration I have in terms of just national direction is it just seems very contradictory and very confusing um, because we're talking about loving our own but then we introduce Mandarin in schools and not necessarily more indigenous languages. So it doesn't seem like nationally there's one clear focus and I think that's why people will reject um, the radical moves that you're making is because it doesn't seem like it's one clear messaging happening nationally across. Okay, let me just take two more and then we'll get a set of responses. You had a, yeah? So, when you touched on something that I kind of also want to just mention, I don't, I don't know if this is a question or not, and I might stand under, under correction here, but uh, from my experience at the beginning of South African hip hop, it seemed very South African, you know? Squatter Camp, early Tumia in the volume, all felt like I knew this was a South African act. But lately, when I listen to South African hip-hop, it disappoints me 
tremendously, like AKA, all these artists literally just sound like American artists, but with a little bit of a knack. Yeah. Um, am, am I wrong? Like, <laughs> is it local, really? Like, are we, what's the point of playing the latest Casper Nuvest song if the beat and flow is taken from an ASAP Ferg song? Like, I don't get it, you know? Um, so this is something that's been bothering me about local hip-hop specifically. Local house, I felt, has really taken a lot. You know when you're listening to South African house. You know when you're listening to Kwaito, but... Specifically, hip-hop in the last five years just literally feels like Americanized hip-hop with Vinak. I, this isn't really a question. I just want to know, yeah, that's... Yeah, that's, that's, that's what um, one more from at the back there, Surin, and then we'll, we'll just take a round of responses, and then we'll take another round. Yeah, ju just a quick comment on this one. I'm not from South Africa, so, so forgive me, but it seems like a very drastic measure to take to try and support what, what, as a public service broadcaster, of course you should be supporting your local music, mu musicians and providing that to your audiences. But my question or my comment would be that, are you not also doing a disservice to your audiences? Do you know that this is what they want to listen to, to, to a factor of 90%? It seems a little bit drastic from my point of view, and I would be worried that you're doing a disservice to your audiences. Okay, Thank let's you. have some responses. Yeah. Um, coming to, to the issue of uh, whether culture it means the same between the now and the then. Culture will always be culture. And then the issue for us is when you've got a communication industry, or in this particular instance, radio, perpetuating a specific kind of culture, people then believe that that kind of culture is the only one, is the way to go. And, and this is the disservice that we have been doing all these years, where we promoted in terms of legislation, in terms of quotas and everything else, we promoted external influences more than we did our own. To a point where I would get a call from a fellow South African who would then say to me, we hear that you are going to show the read dance. Don't you fear that you will lose audience on television, for example, because people don't want to see those people who are nude there on television. And I'm saying to this person, the mere fact that we have not exposed that as culture say, makes people to think that way, to think that we're seeing these cultural dances, for example, as nude people. But people that are in that environment don't see that. Therefore, our culture, it has to evolve, understandably so. But it can only be accepted by the people of South Africa if they are exposed to it. Because most of the people who say this 90% is too much is because we have not been exposed to it. Obviously, we should have done it uh, gradually from 1994 up until now. But we did not do that. Therefore, there had to be a point where we had to take a radical decision. And, and, and I always say to people that in, in most, I, I had this interview, I, I don't know where you're coming from, say. Uh, from? Denmark. Yes. I had a discussion or a, a, a similar kind of interaction with the BBC radio on, after we did that. And they, the interview went like, 
They played our music, and then the first thing that they said was, why are you banning our music on your platform? And I said to them, guys, how much South African music do you play on a radio station? And I don't hear people say in that country that you are disadvantaging us as the communities out there. And the musicians will tell you, don't like I will tell you, the only time they get to be played in foreign countries is when they are touring that country and only when you are being interviewed. And at the end of the day, if we did not make the decision, we were going to live with this perception that says we need to be gradual. Then the question becomes, how gradual must we be? Must we increase by 10% every year? And how long will it take us? It takes one radical decision to be taken for us to achieve whatever we wanted to achieve. And I think our people with time will understand that this will not only play, uh, help us understand the music, but it will also stimulate the industry. After this announcement, for an example, a lot of musicians were decided not to go back to studio, went back to studio because they wanted to produce good music. Coming to, to, to what you just said, Craig, to say all the industries around must play their part in doing what they are supposed to do. And the other thing that is very interesting with this thing is also coming from what you said. There must be a differentiator in the different radio stations. We have got 19 radio stations at the SABC. But we are not saying we are going to change the way the radio stations sound. If you are playing Maskandi, play South African. If you are playing hip-hop, play South African. If you are playing jazz, play South African. And that way, we must we will understand that we love our own. The same way as an Asha song in America is local music. We, and, and our music must be as international as that song can be called international in this country. Thank you. Okay, I, we've, I'm very conscious of time, but um, yeah, let's I, have I a quick to, response. I wanted sure. to add on, on, on what uh, Brakeza is saying. Um, the same question that uh, was asked uh, to, to Brakeza was poised to me on, on the following day, actually, of the 1910, and I was asked that, uh, Mr. Laka, aren't you uh, aware that what's happening in South Africa, what you have been advocating, is actually a total ban on foreign music? I then asked the same person from BBC, I'm, I'm sure it's the same person that interviewed you, and I said to him, asked him, uh, what percentage of African music do you have in, in the UK? And he said zero. Then I said, maybe Africa is such a big place or a big continent. What percentage of South African music do you have in the UK? And been mindful that, that last year I, I, I you know, spent the whole year touring the UK. And he said, uh, zero. Then I asked him again, okay, what is it expected of us in South Africa uh, to have the, the, the quota for, for British music? Then he laughed. I said, no, you shouldn't be laughing because it's very important. The question that you asked is actually saying we should continue uh, uh, funding the British arts in this country at expense of, of the poverty of the artists in South Africa. We have turned around the corner for South Africa to produce its own, um, uh, what's the big name in the UK, the lady? Uh, Adele, I said. This will actually make South Africa and put South Africa on the same pedestal as 
your Adele, but we, you are fortunate that you still have 10%, which that's in that space you can still fight for with your Rihanna's and the stuff of this world. We don't have that space. The only time my music is played in the UK is because I had to spend the whole year in the UK to promote it. And that was it. Okay, thank you very much. Um, I'll take one more hand here. Sim and at the back and then we really and just be very brief we're deep into lunchtime and we do need to be conscious of time yes okay thank you uh i, I would say we are african first and south african second if you look at the name south africa 50 percent of the words is africa and my sense is that the 90 percent quota even though applied should have been applied to African music. So that would have given artists in 54 countries a platform. And South Africa being a big brother on the continent, I think should have led by example and actually promoted African music. So when you say 90% African music, it still allows you within the SABC to play 90% South African music because South Africa is part of Africa. So that would have given you more leeway and a greater platform to more artists to be had on the African continent. Okay, thank you for that point. What about the rest of the continent? Sim? Uh, hello, uh, my name is Sim, uh, compiler at VARFM. I just have a question to Bob Donlak as well as Maluma Craig and Ndate Khayar, but from different perspective. As a compiler working at a campus radio station, uh, I found myself not understanding what does 90% really mean in application. For an example, I meet with a lot of uh, upcoming guys or whatever new musicians who are coming who are expressing their frustrations with big uh, commercial radio stations that their music is not playlisted. And sometimes I sit down with them and make comparisons between their song and an, an established artist. And what we also have done at VARFM, we brought in more compilers on a voluntary basis who are different age groups, aging 17 to 29, so that we make sure that we understand the sound and what the trends are. And most of the time when we decide, it's a panel and a, and a compiling team that actually decides on these songs. And what we found is that these songs that of these upcoming guys can compare with the so-called... Um, established artist. So what I wanted to know is that what does the 90% really mean in terms of growing the music? I'm, I'm assuming that this thing is going to be done and music is going to continue. Some people will eventually uh, pass uh, or die, not in a bad way, but there's new music that needs to come in. What are the, record um, the radio stations going to do to bring in new music? Because at the current quota, the, coming, the upcoming guys who can compete at those levels are expressing frustrations of their music not being playlisted. Okay, so what about the new guys? The back there where there was a voice, very quickly. Hi. Um, I'm not sure whether it will come out as a question or a comment. I'm from Zimbabwe. Um, I was a radio presenter. I'm still a radio presenter. And uh, government kind of took 
uh, a radical decision as well. Uh, back home, uh, we had to implement 75% local content. It's something that we were never used to. Um, there were advantages and there were disadvantages. The advantages, we, get, we got exposed to a lot of local music that we didn't know, that we didn't care about, that we never thought existed. Uh, at the same time, it also gave us an opportunity, you know, sometimes to ask yourself the question, who are you? And why are you behind that microphone? Who are you broadcasting to? And uh, the disadvantage, and it also gave the young artists, for example, it created a whole new platform. You come to Zimbabwe right now, there's a genre called Urban Grooves. At the same time, there was also a growth in South African music in Zimbabwe because that uh, provided an opportunity for African artists to also come onto the platform. So, as you implement the whole 90% um, the whole 90% uh, issue, I'm also hoping that there is that space for other African artists as well, as there was space for South African artists when we also implemented our own 75% local content. But now, it's easier for presenters, if you're going to make compilations, you first start by local because it's now a very familiar territory. Okay, thank you very much. So do you want to respond to the question, the two questions really, and I think that yes. third point was related. What about the rest of the continent? What about growing new talent? I'll start with the, the what about the continent. Um, you just had, the Zimbabwe just had, you know, their 75%. But one of the radical decisions also that happened not long time ago was Nigeria that took a radical decision of 100%. And look where they are today. When those decisions were made, I am not sure if uh, Nigeria said how much percentage should we have of South Africa or of other countries. And I'm not sure if Zimbabwe took the same decision that how much percentage should we have of South Africa or the rest of the continent. I am not saying this because I, I'm, I'm closing or trying to hoard only South African music, you know, uh, uh, or the space. Uh, if you listen to radio today, uh, you'd hear, uh, I've been going around doing lectures on, on, on different things, on cultural imperialism and stuff. You would hear the question comes, you know, more especially from people from Botswana, Swaziland, and so that uh, we have been excluded. And I said, no. If you turn on your radio now, you'll hear Sankomata being played. You will hear uh, uh, bands, not many of them obviously, from, from uh, uh, Swaziland. You will still hear musicians from uh, uh, Zimbabwe played on our station. So the 90% is that it's a focal point for us as South Africans to be up in the forefront. In the background of it, we'll always have African musicians, and I work with most of them in the studios. I was working with Cameroonian musicians yesterday. So we'll always have that, but I don't think the space for, say, Africa, South Africa first 50% and the rest of the continent 50% should apply at this stage because we're still trying to get our foot back into the space. I was excluded for many, many years on radio uh, because when we first met with Brakeza, we actually showed that uh, uh, South African jazz was afforded only half a day the whole year. 
and just as general was only four days. And they listened from that because they were not aware at that time that was what was happening. Uh, if, if you can imagine, if you want to build an industry on half a day of listening the whole year, that would have never happened. So that's why you saw most of the musicians uh, in South Africa just disappeared. So we need to rebuild here until such time this industry is on, on its feet, the South African industry. Then we can actually start to open up for the rest of the continent. I'm not saying this because I want to exclude them. I work with them and I appreciate that music very well. Okay, thank you very much. Um, building local talent. I think building local talent is a, um, an effort, again, that should be driven from different quarters. In terms of radio stations, I mean, one of the things that we are toying around with um, inside of Kaya is, you know, how you create a label that talks to, you know, the genres that have made our station unique from a sound point of view and have a lot of it, uh, you know, produced both locally and internationally. Um, we think there's opportunities in, um, you know, creating an environment within which, you know, young local artists, you know, are able to perform. The thing I love about um, live music, for instance, is, you know, unlike a DJ who stands and plays records, you, you get an opportunity for, you know, a number of people to play different kinds of, uh, of instruments. So, you know, our growth of the music is, is gradual. Um, I mean, we don't, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we will not be, you know, at this stage being as radical uh, as, as what uh, the SABC has done. However, the impact of the music, you know, will be felt and that, you know, the, the, the growth and the value of the local music will be felt. In fact, it'll, it, it is important to also create a system where it is also driven by the audience you know, from a demand perspective, because audiences are partners uh, in this particular instance. So if you create a system that, you know, allows for your audience to start pushing you in a certain direction uh, and, you know, a more local direction, I think we'll, we'll arrive at a, at a happy medium. Like I said, we were able to do it, you know, 15, 16 years ago with a tiny radio station. Great. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Okay, I think that's where we need to end the discussion. It's obviously not finished. I mean, the discussion will continue in all sorts of places and particularly over lunch. But let's give um, the panelists a round of applause. Thank you very much. <laughs>